Good morning and welcome to Christian Life Fellowship. My name is Pastor John and this is the recording from Sunday, April 18th. Hello. Hey. <laughs> we have power. Hi, everybody. It's so good to see you. Thanks for coming. Uh, yeah, I guess sunglasses are now required for church, aren't they? <laughs> for some of you, yeah. That's all right. All right. Do you, um, let me ask you, do you happen to know the, the top 10 love songs of all time according to Billboard.com? Does anybody know them? Really? I'm shocked that nobody knows that. Did, did, did anybody come with like that burning question in your heart and mind? You were really hoping that, that I would answer that for you today? You know, <laughs> you're, you're leaving the house this morning, you're thinking, you know, I, I like going to church, but what I really want to know is the top 10 love songs of all time. Well, you're in luck because here they are. Um, number 10 is this, I Can't Stop Loving You by Ray Charles. Does anybody know that song? Let's see how many you know. All right. <laughs> Best of My Love by The Emotions. <laughs> All right. Um, number eight, Because I Love You by Stevie B. You're just putting up your hand for everyone, aren't you? Yeah. You know them all. Yeah. Uh, Let Me Love You by Mario. I had never heard that one before. No, nobody knows that? Okay. Number seven, I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Come on, right? Everybody knows that one. And you don't you immediately start singing it in your head? Right? Yeah. Um, that song was actually originally written by Dolly Parton, from what I understand, and has been in the top ten three times in, his, in, his, in its existence, twice by Dolly Parton and one by Whitney Houston. So there you go, uh, facts you didn't know. Silly Love Songs by Wings. Paul McCartney and Wings. Yeah, it's a good song, actually. Um, we Found Love by Rihanna and Calvin Har Rihanna and Calvin Harris. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. Somebody younger. All right, there you go. How Deep Is Your Love by the Bee Gees, right? And you immediately begin to sing that one in your head, too, don't you? How deep is your love? Anyways, um, <laughs> I was rated that I, I was rated, I was born in 1970, so I was rated in that age when disco was like, cool and then dying out. So I, I know disco songs like the Bee Gees. Anyways, um, <laughs> I'll Make Love to You by Boys to Men. And number one is Endless Love by Lionel Richie and Diana Ross. Right? You know that song, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, our world, humanity, I mean, we're, we're interested in love, right? From birth to death, it's the desire of the human heart to know love to love and to be loved. And of course, you know, God knows this about us. Why? Because God created us. He made us. He fashioned us in this way. And the Bible actually tells us that God himself is love. So for God, it's not a choice or a decision that he makes. You and I maybe understand that sometimes we have to choose or to decide to be loving towards somebody. But for God, it just, it's not a choice that he makes. It's not a decision. It's his very nature is love. And we, you and I, we were designed to have that nature as well. But unfortunately, right, we, we as humanity, we mess that up. And what often happens for us then as humanity is we see ourselves default into fear and anger and often hatred. And so what happens a lot of times for us in, in humanity is if you've ever experienced that fear or uh, like if you've encountered it, fear or anger or hatred, sometimes we deny our need for love because we've been hurt 
or disappointed, we've been wounded, let down enough that we actually begin to think that life might be easier, right, if, if to live without love or we, we at least control how we receive and experience love. So we begin to guard our heart from the very thing that will actually bring us healing, that will heal our wounded heart and mind. God's solution for us in the midst of that is that we, we encounter, we experience his endless, unrelenting love towards us. Because as we do, it changes us. It moves us closer to his original design for us. One of my favorite quotes, which I've, I've, said, I've said this more than once in church, but one of my favorite quotes of all time is by a man named Augustine. Augustine was a leader in the early church or in the, in the, the late 300s to early 400s. I guess that's not super early. It just seems early to me because that's a long time ago. And, um, but this is what he wrote about, about the love of God. He says, if the written word of the Bible could be changed into a single word and become a single voice, this voice more powerful than the roarings of, roaring of the sea would cry out, the Father loves you. I love that guy. I love that quote. It just speaks deep to me every time. If the written word of the Bible could be changed into a single word and become one single voice, this voice more powerful than the roaring of the sea would cry out, the Father loves you. God loves us, his creation. We're going to talk more about that today, and, and we're actually going to look at Romans chapter 8. If you want to turn there or click there in your Bible, we're just going to read two verses, verses 38 and 39. If you've ever spent time in church or reading, reading the Bible, this is probably going to be fairly familiar, but it's good. Romans 8, it says this. It says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, not, not angels or demons, not our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. It's funny how our fears and our worries make us feel separated from God or can, but God is saying nothing separates us from, from that, from him, not our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow. He says, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. One time in, in uh, Bible college, one of my professors asked the class this question. He said, you know, what's the theme of the Bible? What's the overall arcing theme of the Bible, right? And, and so they just waited. And, you know, being good Bible college students, we, we all sat awkwardly for a few seconds. And then finally somebody raised their hand, and they said, well, it's, it's about salvation. And he said, no, I, I don't think so. And, uh, of course, then, you know, Bible college students are all like, <gasps> we should tell on him, <laughs> right? And he's, so somebody else said, well, it's about sin or redemption. He's like, no, I, I don't think it is. Well, then it's about forgiveness. And he just let us flounder for a little while, right? Because that's what we all tend to think that it's about. And then finally he stopped and he said, that's all in there. He said, but I actually think the overall arcing theme of the Bible is about relationships. It's about God's love for us, for humanity. And how God desires for us to know him. And that requires 
salvation and forgiveness and redemption and all those things. It requires us for de- to deal with our sin, but the overall arcing theme of Scripture, of the Bible, is about the fact that God wants us to know him. So God's desire for all of humanity is to know how powerful, how strong, how deep and life-changing his love is because his love changes us. His love changes us. And the thing to know, though, is that the change is simply the byproduct of his love. It's not the actual reason for it. He doesn't love us in order to change us. He just is love, right? It's his very nature. It just, it's the byproduct of it. It just happens because we're made in his image. We're made in his likeness. And so when we encounter him as he really is, what happens is our spirit and our soul respond to him. And we desire to be like him because we're made to be like him. And so the decision becomes simple and easy. Um, It's not a struggle. I can hear myself over over this thing. No, no, sorry, no. That's not what it is at all. Somebody's Somebody's Bible app is reading the verse to them. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to point you out. I actually thought it was something entirely different. All right, let's move on before I embarrass somebody more. All right. So, right, because we're made in his image, his likeness, right, as when we meet him as he is, our spirit, our soul responds to him, and we want to be like him. This is what the Bible describes as like deep calling to deep or moving from glory to glory. It's, it's God, it's us encountering God, who is love, experiencing him, and then he moves us closer to being like him, to being more like him. You see, we weren't created to be sinners. We might have been born that way because of choices that were made, but we weren't created to be that. We weren't created to be sinners who reject love, but to be like Christ and to live in the love of the Father. The presence of God changes us at heart, changes us at a heart level. And then as our heart changes, our behaviors follow suit because we have an internal problem, right? Like the, the problem starts inside. It's not an external problem. Our behaviors matter, but the problems don't start on the outside with the behavior. The problems start in the heart. The problem is sin, which starts right there in your heart and mind. So the change has to be internal first, has to be a change of heart, of our mind, our will, and our emotions. And the Father's love is always being directed towards us, always um, looking for the best for us. So one of the things for us to know, to really... To, <laughs> One of the things I'd love each and every one of us to really grasp a hold of and to to have a sense of is is that the Father's love is uncaused and unconditional. It's uncaused and unconditional. What that means is this. His love does not begin when you have fulfilled all his expectations or performed in such a way that, that pleases him. Right? God doesn't say, oh, you finally started to listen to me, so now I will love you. It's not, how, it's not what he does. The Father's love cannot be earned to gain more or messed up to be somehow be reduced. It is steady and unchangeable. He is faithful. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
You haven't caused him to love you. You haven't caused him to love you. He just does. And you can't follow the rules enough to make him love you more or break them enough to make him love you less. It's uncaused and unconditional. See, as humanity, we understand conditional love, right? But God is so much different. The Father loves us no matter what we've done, good or bad. He wants us to know his love so fully that, that selfish, evil actions are no longer attractive or desirable to us. Because his love brings correction to us. It brings rightness to the very depth of our being. It brings godliness into our lives. It changes us. I mean, let's, let's be honest. I, I know a lot of people, me, too, me included at times, where I, I'm trying to be better, hoping that it somehow right, unlocks the door or just breaks through enough that I can experience more of God. And God's... And I think all the time God's kind of like, it, it's never actually worked like that. You, it's uncaused and unconditional. It's a curse for us when we have to work for love. And you've maybe been in a human relationship that's like that, that is very conditional. That is, um, you know, that, that the only way that you experience or receive love is is by doing what the, the other person wants. And you can know the burden of that. It feels heavy. And if we're working for love, then that's what it is. There's just a burden that's attached. You, you do things out of obligation, but inside your heart and your mind are resenting it the whole time. And we experience that. We, we take that same experience into our relationship with God. And then we're very confused when we hear things like God's love is uncaused and unconditional. See, at one point in the Bible, Jesus addresses a crowd of people. And he says, everyone who's tired and weary and carrying a heavy load, come to me and I'll give you rest. He says, take what I have to carry for you. Learn from me, and I'll give you rest for your soul. That includes the burden of having to work for love and never being sure, like truly certain, that you measure up. The truth of the matter is that we don't have any power or control over God's love for us. <laughs> you know, when it, when, and when I say it that way, I hope that it, it sounds as silly to you as it does when I, when I speak it, meaning like I, it's, I can't believe that it, I'm, I've been so foolish in, in my life to think that I could control God's love, that I had any kind of influence or control over whether or not he loves me <laughs> based on right, what I do right or what I do wrong. We don't have any power or control over God's love for us. So that includes you. That includes, you know, the people in your family. It includes the people that you like and dislike, the people that you don't think deserve it. God loves all of us. 
all of humanity. In the same way, it's good for us to also know and understand that no one has control over our love, you as an individual. Nobody else has control over your love but you, just like God. That's hard for us sometimes, right, because we understand that people do things that hurt us and disappoint us, and we want to say that they've done something to affect the way that we love them. But the truth of the matter is, just like God, we only... We only, the other people only have power and control over our love if we allow them to have it, if we allow them to. But God, of course, never allows that. Nobody can control what God does or doesn't do. Here's the thing. Once you know and accept that you can't control his love for you, that he's going to love you no matter what, then what happens is it makes a way in your heart and your mind, or it's supposed to make a way in your heart and mind to let go of that burdensome belief that you have to earn it so that you can simply receive his love more fully. And instead of working for love, you'll find yourself living from love. So instead of working for it, you live from it. And, and while that seems like just a funny turn of words, the truth of the matter is it's night and day in your experience. Instead of working for love, you live from it. And so for us to live this out in everyday reality, we must come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. It's meant to affect both our head and our hearts. So what I have for you, uh, just... To finish up this morning, I, I have for you um, things based in Scripture that, that talk about who God is and what he's like. And uh, in terms of him and what he says about us. So here they are. Some things from the Bible that the Father would want you and I to know about him. First is this, is that you can approach God at any time and that God can approach you. He is always accessible. Today when we, we gathered for prayer at, at 9 and, and one of the people prayed at, at just having the sense and the reminder of when Jesus died and the veil, right, in the, in the Holy of Holies, the veil was torn, indicating that, that, right, mankind could, humanity could now go into the presence of God without and it's sin being taken care of. God is always accessible to us. There's nothing in the way between us and him anymore because Jesus is taking care of our greatest problem. You can approach God and God can approach you. He is faithful every time. It is uncaused and unconditional. We often let our emotions tell us if God is close or not. But the fact is, is that he is faithful every time. He wants every part of our lives to be interactive with him. He's not interested in insensitive, unresponsive, empty, obsolete religion or just rule following. He wants to interact with every part of our heart and mind. He wants us to know that we are never alone. We're never alone. And when you sense that you're alone... Or when you sense that you're not ever alone, right? When you know that God is always there with you, you will treat people differently than when you feel alone and isolated. God wants you to know, the Father wants you to know that he is not trying to control you. 
You may have experienced that in human relationships, but the Father is not trying to control you. In fact, what he wants is to release you into his life in order that you might enjoy both him and the world that he's created. He wants you to know that he cares deeply about you and everything that you care about. He cares about you and everything that you care about. And he wants good things for you. He wants you to know that you can tell him anything. You can always talk to him about your feelings, about what you think and what you feel without worry of him condemning you or rejecting you. He might, he might say, well, let's, he might say, well, son or well, daughter, let's think a little bit differently about that, <laughs> right? But correction from God is a good thing, isn't it? Because it draws us in closer to him. He wants us to know that our sins are as far from the east as from the west. He wants us to know that he will, he will always help us in overcoming our bad habits, our evil desires. And then this is what he has to say to you and I about us. He says, you're mine. Right? The Bible says that we are God's possessions. So he would look at you and say, you're mine. You're my child. You're my friend. I don't condemn you. He would say you are an heir with Jesus. He would tell us that we are new creations, the old being gone and the new being here. He would tell us that we're blessed with every spiritual blessing, that we are chosen, holy, and blameless. <laughs> you are chosen, holy, and blameless. Doesn't that, okay, I don't know about you, but in my heart, when I read that, and I think that's supposed to be true about me, it just makes, it allows the door to open where it's like, right, I can receive God's love because he says, I'm chosen, I'm holy, and I'm blameless. And I'm often busy, right, thinking about all the ways that I should be blamed. I'm, I can't be the only one that experiences that, right? And they get, it gets in the way of receiving God's love. And yet what he says is, it is very different, that I am chosen, holy, and blameless. That's true about each and every one of us. That the blood of Jesus actually has brought us near to God. Again, there's nothing in between us and him. He would say to us, you are now a member of my family. Each and every one of us are now a part of his family. And, you know, I understand that for everybody, the word family doesn't feel great. God's family is meant to be so much different. It's meant to be based in his love for him and each other. He would say, you are complete in Christ. Again, we're, we're, we can often look at all the areas where we don't feel complete and where we feel like we're, we're failing. But God says in Christ, this is Colossians 2.10 if you're ever wondering, in Christ we are absolutely complete. He tells us that because we're a part of his family, we now are citizens of heaven. 
I mean, what kind of father says those things about their child? A God that loves them without limit, who's looking to bless, who's looking um, to impart his love into their soul, into their mind. So, because what he wants for, our, for us, and again, what he wants for us is not to, to work for love, but to live from it. It is uncaused and unconditional. I'm going to say it one more time because I'm hoping that it sticks with you. It's uncaused and unconditional. You can go to him at any time. So here's what I'd like us to do this morning. Here's how I I want us to end. We're just going to take a moment and pray. And I've done this with you before, um, with with the church before, but it's just so good for us to do this repeatedly. Over and over again, we're going to pray, and I'm just going to ask, I'm going to pray it, but you can ask the Father this, say, Father, do you love me? It's a simple question, and just wait and, and hear what he says to your heart, to your heart, to your mind. Now, you might, you might need to move some things out of the way first, meaning you might need to, <laughs> you know, surrender some, um, some expectations, unrealistic expectations or wrong thinking. Maybe there, there is something, like, from your end, a sin that you need to repent of. It's all right. Just go ahead and do that right now. He is always accessible. He is always right here. Scripture says, right, that when we confess our sins, what? He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So where you are, I'm just going to invite you to close your eyes, tune out as much of the outside world as you can. Thank you, Lord. Just quiet your heart and mind with him. Focus on Jesus. Begin to thank him that his love is uncaused. It's unconditional. Thank you, Father, that there's nothing I can do that makes you love me more or makes me lo- makes you love me less. God, forgive me for so many times where that's what's going on inside my head and my heart. God, thank you that you love us, but you love your creation. You love humanity fiercely, without limit. And you want us, your people, to carry that, to be that. So God, as deep calls to deep, Lord, may your spirit call to the depth of our spirit, of our soul today. As we ask you this question, Father, do you love me? Thank you, Lord.
Father, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you. God, may we, as your people, may we go from here, God, may we live in the truth that you love us so deeply, without limit, without end. God, may we know it. May we live in it. Lord, we give you permission to speak deep into our hearts and minds about how deeply we're loved. And God, may we carry it with us today and through this week that it would just spill out of us onto other people's lives. That they too would experience your deep love. Thank you, Lord. We pray this, Jesus, in your beautiful name. Amen. Amen.